Hello, and welcome to Dope Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Bikita Pegram, and I am going to give you something to think about. Hello, hello, hello. How are y'all? It has been a moment because as you know, I am in school and school was very real this summer and I had educational statistics this summer. And when I tell you the fear was very real, (laughs) the fear was real. I had went through the majority of my core courses and was dreading this last semester of the core courses. So it was like bittersweet. Here I am at the end, but you have educational statistics. I made a 70 y'all on my first assignment. And if you know me, that is very serious. I was in little, I was in here in tears and I'm like, why? Why is this happening? So if you know me, I'm not a quitter. So I went and I emailed my professor and I confirmed the date for the office times. And I was there every Thursday. Whenever he had an extra class, I was there. I started a study group with some um, peers, and I was there. And I finished with a 94, so I'm excited. We finished. <laughs> so now we're um, kind of getting back stable. We got, we're getting our reins back, and we're back at our scheduled podcast for this month with Dr. Richard Riddick from UT. And I'm so excited to have him on. I got a chance to talk to him and we began talking about just the networks that students create on campus on their own and not even realizing that it wasn't a plan or it's not this thing that you do at orientation. Like, okay, you need to talk to this professor. You need to see this um, student uh, advisor. It's just something that naturally happens. And we were like, wow, they kind of create their own underground railroad system. And we both like, wow, that's a thing. And that is why he is here to talk to us because I love some of the work that he's doing on cultural taxation. If you have a chance, go to YouTube and put in cultural taxation. It'll pop up. He does some amazing um, presentations on that and letting you know just what black faculty is going to. So today I'm going to, Time into his expertise about black faculty, but also looking at black students because him being faculty at UT, he's a mentor. He knows what it is working with minority students and we're just going to tap in. So welcome. How are you? Wow. I'm I'm great. I want to give you a shout out because that story about your stats uh, class is the story I want to tell my students. This idea that you just walk in and you know everything and you're supposed to just ace everything the first time. But you actually walk through the process, office hours, how to use them, what to do, study group, and ultimately what happens in the end. So I love that story. I'm going to take that story and tell my students all about it. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Shout out to you for making that A. Thank you. Yeah, because I was I was in tears. I called my therapist. <laughs> mm. hey, it was rough. Need some help. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was rough. And that's rough. part of it too, right? Part of it is just, you know. This can be traumatic in, in certain ways and knowing that you need to sort of talk to people about it. Like, yes. how do I handle this? And, you know, what I was going to say to you is like, look, I took stats. The only important thing about stats is getting past it and, <laughs> you know, getting the past because that's what matters. Right. Right. So um, at the same time, you want to have that sort of uh, space where, you know, I'm making progress. And quite frankly, when you start at a 70, 
guess what? You have lots of space for which to grow. Right. So I, I love that story. It's a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to ask you, what role do you think black faculty play in the development of student networks? Oh my goodness. It's, it's huge. And, and I, I think about this both academically as a scholar, as a work I do as a researcher, right? But I also think about it in a very sort of personal way because my own pathway to the university of Texas, and this is a preview story. Um, so I went to school in East Austin. I went to school in the barrio of East Austin. I had Latino faculty, I mean, teachers, white teachers, but no black teachers I could really remember in high school. And so um, I wanted to study black studies when I went to college. And my very first semester, I had a history of the United States with Dr. George Wright in the Jester Auditorium. And I'm not going to lie, I was not the most diligent student about getting up at nine in the morning on Tuesday, Thursdays to go into class and on time. I went to most of the classes and I just remember seeing Dr. Wright, you know, up there lecturing in, you know, if you know Dr. Wright, he's so learned and he has that way of speaking that just makes you feel like, yes, this is great. <laughs> and I love that class. I kept all the books from the class. And obviously somebody had a huge impact in my life. We fast forward to about, I don't know, 20 years later, I'm giving a talk at the education testing service in Princeton, New Jersey. This is the home of the SAT and the, and the GRE and all those different things. Standardized tests. This is a big, big deal. And so I go up there, take a deep breath, and I say, you know, being at the ETS giving a talk is always something that's super intimidating. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing more intimidating than seeing your freshman history professor in the front row. Dr. Wright's good to see you. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed. And we had a great talk afterwards, got caught up. And, of course, at that time, he was president of Prairie View. Um, And I just remember that, you know, in a lot of ways, black faculty – are showing the potential and possibility for black students. Because you you walk into college, you think, oh my gosh, this person's got a PhD and they got yeah. great hair, and, you know, all these <laughs> different things. You think, right. oh my gosh, that, that can't be me. But that is you. Um, and in fact, I, I wrote a piece recently and I remembered my first class where I had a younger black male professor. His name was Kermit Campbell, mm-hmm. Dr. Campbell. And I, I didn't want to call him Dr. Kermit, it was too familiar right. to Dr. Campbell. And, and so I was writing this piece about my experience, and i just gotten tenure and all this good stuff. And I was like, you know, that meant something to me, that class. It was on hip-hop, first of all, uh. 1993. And I, I remember writing this piece, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to send him an email. I'm going to send him an email and tell him that I had this experience in this class. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call his office and leave a voicemail. <laughs> so I, I look him up. I don't know where he's at. You know, he was at UT 20 years ago. Right. And then, of course, I find – you know, Kermit hip hop, he comes up, boom, there he is. He's at Colgate. So I call his office at Colgate from the website, the phone rings and he picks up. So I was thinking like, I'll leave a message. I was like, Dr. Campbell. And he says, yes, who's this? I said, this is Rich Reddick. You know, I was your student back in the fall of 93. He's like, Rich, yeah, I remember you, Richard. How how are you doing, brother? What, What are you doing nowadays? I said, I'm a professor at UT Austin. He said, you're what? <laughs> I mean, the, it just got still. Right. And he was just like, I am so proud of you, man. He oh. said, you made my entire year. And I was just like, you know, he needed to know that just seeing him in that space, put planted a seed in my head. I never walked around saying, I want to be Dr. Campbell. But I just thought, okay, I've seen him do that. Mm-hmm. Then maybe I can do it too. And right. I think it came back to me at different points in time in my educational journey. There he is doing that kind of thing. Right. So- that's exactly what it's about. And I, you know, 
we talked about this, I think, but my, my two central mentors I had in undergrad, Mrs. Brenda Burt, a graduate of Morgan State University, you know, HBCU, and graduate school is Dr. Charles Willey, graduate of Morehouse. I, it's not lost on me that my influential mentors were HBCU graduates, mm-hmm. right? So that's why, one of the reasons why I was very interested in HBCUs and what they do, and also interested in how what people learn at HBCUs how it gets applied in the PWI context, the predominantly white institution context. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's no, it exactly does. how I think about it. <laughs> no, it does. And the key things that I heard were that HBCU context sometimes follows us, especially mm. those students that have been through HBUs. You take some of that with you um, right. to your next setting. And mm-hmm. the big thing that about HBCUs and I, the thing that I really contribute their success to is the family style mentoring. Yes. And somebody is your auntie in financial aid. You have a cousin or an auntie in food services that'll throw you a little piece of protein, extra protein on there. And then you have your uncle over there in accounts that's going to tell you, no, your loan check is not, your refund is not ready. So, right. you know, come back next week, back next week. <laughs> and, and they do it not with gentleness all the time, but very, you no. know, sometimes firm love. But it's right. love and the fact that, you know, you can't miss class because, man, he's going to notice if I'm not there. And when I get, when notice. he see me, he's going to say something right. <laughs> in class in front of everybody. He'll stop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think as professors. When you do have an HBCU professor, that type of mentoring is carried on. And so when you have it at a PWI, it's helpful in that setting for a student that now is the minority Mm -hmm. in trying to find their way. My my first published article, I think, when I was in grad school was a piece in a a journal um, that uh, Meribeth Gassman and, and Michael Jennings were at the editors on. And I wrote about the grandchildren of HBCUs and I consider myself one of those people. I didn't go to HBCU, but I was mentored by HBCU graduates. And my mentors told me what I learned at at Morgan state or at Morehouse was to pass this on to the next generation. Don't pay me back, pay it forward. right? Right. And this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to do this work. Right. So I'll be excellent in other things. I'll be an excellent staff member. I'll be an excellent professor. So, you know, Mrs. Bird and Dr. Willie get awards, you know, do their job excellently. But I'm actually here. I have a mission. It is a it is a cultural mission. It's an uplift of the race mission. Mm. That's what I'm doing. And so that's deep. Right. Yeah. You realize it's not. And also it wasn't just me. The people I mentioned to you didn't. It's not like, oh, well, Rich was their mentee. He's so special. Like, no, man, there was a whole assembly line of us. Right. Right. Um, And so um, I'm reminded when we did a, a fundraiser. Uh, at the University of Texas uh, for a scholarship to me and Mrs. Burt, man, I raised so much money for that because I dropped her name. It wasn't about, oh, Rich is like, Mrs. Burt, bro, I'm there. You know, how much? You know, what can <laughs> right. I do? Because she had that kind of impact. It's similar with Dr. Willie. Um, I remember doing this, uh, you know, when I was getting into my graduate program, I was in Atlanta and the people at Harvard said, hey, you're in Atlanta. Can you go to this event? We're trying to recruit students and talk about your experience. So I say, well, you know, I'm in Atlanta, but I can't help but think about my experience with Dr. Willie. And they're like, Dr. Willie, everybody <laughs> had a Dr. Willie story, you know, about getting beat down in class. That first right. day that you turned in, it's kind of rough, right? 
mm-hmm. but the love, right? That tough love. Like, I'm doing this to make you better. Right. And you can't you can't avoid me, right? Right. Dr. Willie told the story that I always loved, and he uh, talked about the first paper he would assign to you. And he kind of braced you for it. He said, look, this first paper, just be ready that I'm going to let you know what you're not doing and what you need to be doing, right? And he says, let me tell you a story. You know, I had a classmate, a classmate at Morehouse, class of 48, and we took rhetoric together. And we were in our rhetoric class, and this young brother could talk. He was a great speaker, but he turned his first paper in and got a C, C minus. And of course, with the support of his professor, he turned it around and made an A, like your story. Mm -hmm. Well, that classmate of mine, Martin King from Atlanta, yes, that Martin King, (laughs) Martin Luther King, and if wow. you get a C in his first rhetoric assignment at Morehouse, you can get a B minus in your first paper at Harvard. Yeah. Right? So that kind of get people like that. That kind of like brought it home, right? Okay. Right. You know, if the greatest rhetorician of the 20th century got a C minus on his first paper, you get a B in your first paper. You better be thankful you got a B, and you better understand that you got places to grow. Right. And, and I just remember those stories as sort of like you know chill inducing because you're just like, yo, this is somebody who knows what he's talking about. And he'll be there all the way through this process to get you going. I love what you said about finding not just the faculty, because we, look, I'm a faculty member. We get fetishized. Oh, the yeah. faculty, they're so great. And they have, you know, nice beards and fancy offices. <laughs> Man, forget that. Find someone who loves at you, who yeah. loves on you, right? Yeah. The cafeteria lady, the brother who works in the uh, on the grounds crew, right? Mm-hmm. Just looks at you and say, hey, what's up? I see you there, right? Yeah. Keep hustling, brother. You know, um, when I was a student at UT, uh, I had a good friend who worked in the grounds crew at UT. So we were both graduating from high school. I'm a student. He's working on the grounds crew. And I think some people think, well, you know, he was just, I'm like, that brother's getting paid. Yeah. I'm not getting paid in college. And I'm just like, yo, you know, Howard, you know, how are you doing that? You know, and, you know, he would just see me. He's like, man, you do you, Rich. You know, you do you, man, because I'm proud of you. So just having him say that to me. Was that thing that just got you that, that you look at that morning, you don't feel that right? He's like, brother, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. So <laughs> I always remember that uplifting I got. And it worked my, you know, so I'm a faculty member. I have I have a son and a daughter. We go to the cafeteria to eat here. Those cafeteria ladies, man, they're like, how are your little kids doing? Yeah. Where are your kids at? Bring them by. You know, that was like five years ago. You remember that? She's like, yes. I bet those kids are big now. It reminds me of my son. You know, you yeah. find people all around the PWI who are looking out for you. Yeah. Their title does not matter. Right. Their office space does not matter. It matters that they care about you. And right. Don't be that person who's just looking for, well, I hope the president notices me or right. the vice chancellor. Knows. Man, whoever's looking out for you, that's a blessing in itself. Exactly. And, you remind and, me. And embrace that. That reminds me of Obama's Promised Land book. And. Mm. The early chapters of the book, he talks about one of the first things he did when he moved into the White House was to get to know the working staff, not the senators, not the House of Representatives, not, you know, the big wigs. He wanted to know the groundskeeper. He said he spent a lot of time talking to the groundskeeper. He talked to the cook. And it's important because going back to what you said, those are the people that are really looking out for him as a person. That's right. And I'm glad to see you. Yeah. Like, I'm just glad you're here. Uh, you just talked, I mean, you might have been of, of my, my heart. When I was teaching in Fifth Ward, Houston at E.O. Smith Educational Center, and my first year teaching, like most people's first year teaching was rough. Mm-hmm. And Miss Betancourt, the custodian of the school, 
Miss Betancourt knew every kid, every kid's family, every story. And she would just come there and just minister to me. I mean, she would just tell me, Mr. Reddick, hey, you're doing all right. Hey, don't, yeah. that's a tough class you got. Yeah, and he's yeah. a knuckle. That one is a knucklehead. I can tell, <laughs> his dad is knucklehead. I could tell you that, right? Right. And she just got me through so much, man. And I, I just think, I, I just think about how that's been my life. I've had those people looking out for me, championing my cause. And I never got caught up on, you know, well, that person's title is this. So what can they right. do for me? And like, no, nah, I just, people who are just genuinely happy to see you in right. the space and are invested in you being successful. Exactly. Because you remind them of something in their life. You remind them of the community. You remind them of why they do what they do. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the thing. Like, look around you and look about who's happy to see you there. Yeah, there's some people who don't care about you. There's some people who don't want to see you there. There are probably, you'll get more energy and more power out of people who are happy to see you there. Exactly. And that leads us into the next question. So how have you seen this network develop on your campus as far as those students knowing that? Is that something that you tell students like, hey, you know, look out for the the people sometimes outside of the classroom that can make your Mm. experience here good? I think that's a great question. I think about my own story, right? Because my story was on this yard. It was right here. With a few people who are still there from those days, most people at that have retired. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are a few people still walking around. I, I talk about, you know, I know what it's like you know, to be struggling. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of being, you know, in the college and being 18 to 20 years old, you can be very introspective, right? You're thinking about what you're doing, you know, right. you're thinking about what's happening with you. Right. And, you know, if you're, if you're blessed with family, you're probably thinking about the folks in your family, your yeah. siblings, your cousins, that kind of thing. And that's helpful too. I found every time I looked outside of myself, I found motivation. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember uh, distinctly, you know, kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I was um, invited to be on a panel one time. And I was like, a panel? That means a free lunch. And so I got <laughs> this free lunch and I got to talk about being a student at UT. Mm-hmm. And when I was finished, you know, I came off the stage and, and a woman came to me and she says, you know, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, I know who this lady is. I'm like, thank you. You know, and she's like, you know, um, and I was, I could, you could see, could tell. I was like, well, why are you talking to me lady? I, I appreciate it, but who are you? Yeah. She's like, I went to UT in 1963 or four. Right. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute. So UT was integrated in 1956. So you were like that first two or three classes of black students at UT. Mm-hmm. And I realized for her to see me made her think what she went through was worth it. Yeah. And I tell the students that today. I say, when I see you with your credentials and what you've done to get here and mm-hmm. you're in the honors program and you've got this scholarship and you've got this major I feel like whatever I did, if I did something to make this this pathway a little bit easier or possible for you, then I'm proud, right? That's good. And I had this experience where we were working on a, a paper, and I advise our Black Honor Student Association here at UT. Um, so I've always had a group of students who are undergrads, who are honor students. I have my graduate students. And we were just talking about how we were all connected to each other. The undergrads, the grad students, the faculty members, the staff members, we have a black faculty staff association and how it's like this ecology of black support. Right. right. And it's just like you said, Bequita, it's, it's, it's not all, Oh, you're the best. Sometimes it's like, man, get your stuff together. <laughs> you know, man, your stuff is sloppy. Right. It is not correct. You know, you need to do better. Right. That kind of love, but it's there. And, and I think it's true. I had a colleague who said, you know, we can replicate on a small scale 
that kind of intrusive advising experience you get at HBCU. Mm-hmm. You know, we got FERPA. I cannot tell you what your kid is doing, but right. I can tell your child to call call home. Right. Your mama asked me to tell you <laughs> to call home. call home. Like, what are you? What are you? What are you thinking? Right. You went three days. You know, your mom's gonna look for your mom's here for you every day. Right. A text or an email. You haven't done any of those. She called me. I'm telling you, take care of this. Right. right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, our experience is that we we actually do meet the parents. Because I've, I've told my colleagues, my white colleagues especially, it's like, you don't recruit black students. You recruit black families. And if it's big yeah. mama, if it's a dad, if it's the auntie, it's a sister, whatever, you got to make sure that person trusts you. Yeah. And the, the, the student is secondary. Yeah. Build that. That's a good point. And the student is like, okay. And the student basically will be told by the person they care about, like, yo, Dr. Reddick's the one looking out for you. Go talk to that brother. Right. And I've had, I, it has to be some, sometimes people come to me and say, Dr. Reddick, you know, my mama told me to come talk to you. <laughs> so what I, I don't did, know why. <laughs> and she's going to follow up with me. She's going to follow up with me and find out, did he come and talk to you? Yes, he did. Okay. I won't tell you what we talked about, right. but he did come and talk. And, and, and I think that kind of uh, connectedness is such a big part of what we do here. And I'm blessed because I have colleagues. I'm going to call up my, my colleague, Dr. Brandon Jones, who works at UT, uh, straight out of East Texas. Mm-hmm. He's in the residence halls. He sees these students morning, night, and he'll say, go talk to Rich, man. Or go talk to Malik. Or go talk to Dr. Sutton. He'll, he'll just send them our way because we know who's in the system, who's going to help. And you look, I also know that not everybody has the time, capacity, talent to do this work. Right. But they can at least look at you in a positive way. So we know that some people aren't going to sit there for an hour and, and, and get you out of your mess that you're in, right? Exactly. But we know that you just got to know the Underground Railroad. Who is here who's going to get you to the next station? That's good. And who's going to ask you to do the things or challenge you in certain ways? And who's going to say, like, you know what? This is above anything we can do. We need to get somebody to help us with this. All those are parts of the experience. And, and I mean, I think it just drives us when we see a student that we know, you know, man, first year it was kind of rough. Or right. when that person or family passed away, it was kind of rough. But, you know, we helped them through it. And because it was done for us, we do it for them. And that's that's what it's really about. It's just like ecosystem, ecology, you know, that just sort of keeps us moving. And quite frankly, I think people forget, as a faculty member, I need to be uplifted sometimes. <laughs> right. I need to be, um, you know, to, to be motivated. And sometimes seeing you get through your stats class, I'm like, yo, I got to do that. You know, the queen got me hyped. You know, I'm like, <laughs> she can do that. I can get this paper out. I can exactly. Get this exactly. Well, to wrap up. I wanted to ask you this one last last question. Mm-hmm. What do you think all faculty, no matter race, ethnicity, can do to make minority students feel more welcomed and a part of the campus? That's a great question. Uh, it is <laughs> the existential question of higher education. Yes. I think it's to see them for who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Gomes was the, was the chaplain at Harvard when I was a student there. And Peter Gomes was a brother. He was just an excellent human being. And he said something one time in a talk, which I always quote. It's like, students are more than brains on a stick. Right. Right? They are fully actualized human beings with fears, insecurities, shortcomings, spaces for growth, talent, all those things in students. And take the time. Like, I, every day, McQueen, I was in class at Probationist University as a student. And I'm a professor here now. Mm-hmm. That's Every crazy. day I walk in this place, I think about that. Like, ain't this a trip? Like, how did this happen? Yeah, I'm just grateful to have the experience. I'm just great. I feel 
my colleague Victor Science says this all the time. He says, when I see a student make an office hours appointment with me, it might be the first time that student has had the courage or the nerve or the willingness to say, I'm going to talk to you one-on-one. And I have to bring my A game. I might be having the worst day ever. I might have 10 things to do. I need to give that student my undivided attention and hear what they have to say. Right. Because if I don't do it right, they might be turned off the entire time. Well, that professor yelled at me. That professor was mean. He didn't care about me. I'm just not engaged. It's that important. So um, you could be the person who changes that trajectory of that student's life. Or at least keeps them from going worse, right? At the very least, do no harm, right? I mean, look, look, let's, I'm all about miracle cures. You can't do that. Don't mess it up, right? Don't tell a student, well, I can't believe you can't achieve in this class. I mean, I just hear, I mean, I remember being told those things myself. You know, you're never going to be able to do this. I mean, people say some ignorant, ill stuff, um, like it's nothing. And forget that you also were in that spot. Heck, I'm in that spot every single day. I'm a first-generation college student. So every day past high school is like a new thing, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. there's no way in my family to say, well, I was in a faculty meeting and this happened. I'm like, what? I don't <laughs> know, you know deal with that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, my, my, my thought is like humility and, and, and love and empathy matter, right? If you keep those things to the forefront, if you know your yeah. students can teach you something, then you're onto something. And the That's best teachers it. I know – regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, anything, that's what they think about. They are humble people, and they say teaching is a privilege with these students, and I'm here to learn. That's good. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. You know what time it is. It is time in our segment where we actually share three things that you can do in your neighborhoods. And the first thing I want to share with you is Build connections before your students hit the campus. It's possible. You can do that through going through a college tour. You can do that by going to orientation. Do not skip orientation. Even if you have went to college, even if your mama, daddy, grandpa, uncle all went to college, allow your student to have that opportunity to know orientation about that campus, about that campus in that moment. Believe it or not, campuses are alive being biological being they grow they improve society influences campuses so your jackson state experiences may be different from your students jackson state experience and yes i will always get a jackson state plug in there and you know i will so the next thing in high school make friends with those friends that you know that may be going to the same college Make friends with those students that also may be have friends or relatives that went to that college. There's ways to build networks so that you can learn the in and outs of that campus. And lastly, parents, send your kids to Upward Bound. That's not played out. That's not old. Send them to Upward Bound. Call the college. Call student activities. Call, press zero. They'll get you to the person that's over Upward Bound. Upward Bound is a camp for high school students. And I want to say some middle school, it just depends on the age, that they can go in the summer and get to learn about that campus. You want to expose your kid to as much college and give them a must, as much information about colleges in general so they can make a sound decision for themselves. So I just wanted to share that with you. Those are the three things that I have for you. Dr. Riddick, I thank you again for coming on. Is there anything that you're working on now that you want to share with us? Yeah, actually I am. So you mentioned uh, this idea about books. I just, and this is what we're talking about. 
being humble and still climbing. Right. right. So my first book proposal by myself, because I wrote, I've written several books with my mentor, Dr. Willie and edited a couple books myself, but okay. my first solo projects, I feel like, you know, coming out of the band, right. Uh, is, is out there. So I'll be writing this book this next year. That's the goal. The goal is to get it out. It's going to be about diversity, equity, and inclusion at PWIs. Oh, uh, wow. Really sort of tapping into a lot of the things we talked about today, um, but really talking about how what you just said is so important. Like this idea that we are not simply um, braids on a stick. We are right. walking through this journey. Um, we need more family contact. And trust me, our white friends and colleagues, they're coming here. They're getting the information. And we might feel a little bit odd, but we need to be here too. Right. And we need to be able to say, you know, my child is paying tuition as well. Yeah. So I want the same services. And I need to be able to prod my students sometimes because they're still young right. to go and you got, you got a writing center for free. Go to that writing center. Yeah. Let me bring home C's, you know, right. you, you could do better than that. Right. Right. So that's such on point advice. So I just, as I wish everybody the best in this interesting and challenging year we have ahead. I hope I get the blessings back, you know, because I need it too. Oh, you and will. I'm still climbing and still striving like you all are. And I just, I just love the energy of this, of this podcast. I'm oh, looking forward thank to you. listening to it. Good. <laughs> and cause I'm going to be asking you to come back again at the end of the year for Most a big depth. round table with all the guests. So I'm glad you said Most that depth. and you set me up for the alley-oop to ask. <laughs> there you go. Assist. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all, I thank you all so much for tuning in. You know, what I'm going to ask you to do click subscribe, follow, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Bikita Pegram, or you can go to my website, BikitaPegram.com. But leave me a review. Let me know what you think and tune in for next week. I'll have some upcoming um, schedule changes for you and you know who's coming on to the next show. We actually have Char- um, Chance Lewis. Dr. Chance Lewis is going to come on and talk to us and that's going to be great. He's actually going to be the last guest of the year and then we'll be prepping for the end of the year grand finale where we bring all the guests on. So if you have something that you want to ask some of these wonderful scholars, please send it in to me and I'll make sure we ask those questions. But again, click follow Click subscribe and don't forget to join us next week. I appreciate your time. Go forth and be great. And be keyed out. <laughs>